Hello, everyone. Welcome back to this week's episode of 100% BS. I'm Bella Solanot, and I am so glad that you're here. So this has been a very highly, highly requested episode, and it's going to be a short one, uh, basically to act as an introduction about Disagreement 101. This is the quick crash course on what I personally think is very, very helpful to know in terms of managing, handling, and approaching disagreement in life. And I'm basically going to break it down into a few different sections, three main sections to help us understand it. This is very like quick informational to the point because I think uh, it's better to just sort of absorb a bit of information and then try to apply it in your daily life, right? So I'm going to break this down and give a few tips and kind of start with like the strategy mindset and shifts to start making to have better disagreement in your life. At more productive disagreement in your life, right? And then take that and sort of just run with it and make it your own. Send me questions if you have any, if you have any. And yeah, we're going to dive right in. Um, before we do that, <laughs> I always like to give a little hello and life update. I'm sitting here in Boston and I'm using my new travel-friendly microphone, which I'm really excited about because the biggest roadblock with me getting podcasts out to you guys has literally just been the fact that my setup is not travel friendly. Like I have this whole interface. Anyway, the point is now I can just plug this into my computer and go. And I'm just like really excited about that because now I can record stuff on the road and I'm, I'm a nomad, you guys. So, you know, gotta have that travel friendly nomadic lifestyle microphone so I can keep it going. Okay. So Highly, highly requested episode. And I think it's important to sort of lay the groundwork for what we're talking about with disagreement. It's kind of like a dirty word for some people, just in terms of how we've, how most of us have been taught to approach disagreement and what to think about it. You know, just literally like, what do you expect, right? What do you think that disagreement is in the first place, right? So, the way that I'm going to break down the episode is we're going to have three sections. And at the beginning, I'm also going to give us a really solid definition of disagreement to work with. So in this episode, we're going to cover the mindset and mechanics of disagreement, right? So the mindset that we go into it, the assumptions, the social dynamics folded into disagreement and shifting into openness and curiosity. The second um, pillar is going to be setting the stage and steering the ship, right? This is about in disagreement itself starting to think about our new way to approach it. And lastly, the concept of separating ideas and people, right? So how to talk about taboos and ideas without getting emotional, without latching onto them and sort of just speaking to the identity that we have been taught to attach to our ideas, to the things that we talk about, right? That's like, honestly, one of the biggest pieces of disagreement is being able to separate ideas and ideologies from your sense of self which is a whole topic in and of itself, but is definitely part of this. So, okay, let's dive into the mindset and mechanics of disagreement, right? So what do we generally know disagreement to be? It's when two or more people see the world differently, when they're holding opposing viewpoints or do not have the same assumptions about any given topic, situation, idea, event, right? It's basically a conflict or some kind of disparity. So. That's our like typical approach, right? Is like people don't see eye to eye. 
Um, people don't agree on something, right? They just have come to uh, whatever scenario it is, conversation, they are confronted with something that is different from what they know. Therefore, they're not aligned on it. I tend to feel like our typical uh, definition of disagreement is honestly kind of negative, right? Thinking about like differences, opposing, right? Like this is language that kind of makes us think that we're against this person. And I think that is a place to start to sort of redefine it. So I want to give my definition of disagreement, which I think is a lot more open and is a lot more positive into what we can expect and what we could shift into in terms of improving how we disagree, right? So my definition is disagreement is a natural occurrence when two humans interact, the result of a group member's individual experiences when coming into contact with another human. Disagreement is a symptom of the human experience that occurs when individuals share their personal outlook on life, right? So to take it further, it's essentially the necessary mechanism for human advancement, innovation, and evolution, and bringing opposing or differentiated ideas together in order to form new evolved ideas. So my goal with this new working definition is that we start to look at disagreement as something that's actually totally normal and totally good and actually really awesome for society to have. We actually want people to, dis- to disagree with us. Like I personally find it very, frankly, boring when something when people are just agreeing with me all day, right? Because that doesn't push me. That doesn't like expand my mind. Like I'm staying stagnant if everyone's just like, yes, good, love that, right? And it's hard because especially since a lot of us are operating in virtual worlds, like on Instagram or just YouTube, maybe you're watching, you know, you're watching this podcast on YouTube and your um, instinct, your tendency is to just comment like, yes, love this amazing. So good. And it's like, that's nice. Of course, we like to feel like we're saying things that make sense. But I think we need to shift and to almost look forward to when someone pushes back a little. So like for me personally, the wa- the reason why I've shifted this definition for myself is because I look I-, I actually want to embrace when I share something and someone pushes back on it, especially if we're talking about like my ideas and like the concepts I have about reality. Like these are all things that hopefully because I'm I work to not attach them to my identity that I can handle hearing these things and it doesn't like break down my sense of self. And so the point is like, let's just notice when we're slipping into just wanting people to agree, right? Like it happens to me all the time on Instagram where I share something and I actually hope, I actually want people to comment and be like, that's interesting. I actually think about it differently because that helps me see the loopholes, right? And that helps me evolve. So that's the key element here, right? The new definition that we get to work with of disagreement is that Disagreement helps us innovate. It helps us evolve. The only way for us to understand what ideas are good or bad or how the bad ideas can get better is if we talk about them and flesh them out, if we wrestle with those ideas so that we come out on the other side of it, having created a new understanding. That's the whole point. And that is how you utilize disagreement to be a positive thing. So Moving into what the mechanics of disagreement are, like, what are we doing? What is a disagreement? What's happening in a disagreement? And, you know, how do we basically define what counts as it? What are we doing during it? So 
the functional and tech, this is like the functional and technical aspects of the activity. So what are we doing? How are we doing it? In disagreement, we're often speaking, asking questions, arguing, investigating, exploring, we're discovering something, we're learning, we're expanding, we're changing our minds, maybe we're being proven wrong, or maybe we're being proven right about something. In disagreement or during dialogue, we're often using, uh, we're using language to explain our experiences, to explain our ideas, and we're comparing ideologies and beliefs in order to decide what is true or to understand ideas that we're not familiar with, right? So that, that, kind of speaks to why do we disagree, right? Why do we have like that urge to tell someone when we don't agree or when we don't see whatever they're saying um, as true? And so essentially the the mechanism kind of tells us why we're doing it too, right? So we're we're trying to figure out what is true. Like a lot of, I think this comes back to at least for my own passion and interest behind conversations that are rooted in not seeing eye to eye on something is because it helps us, it helps me, each each person involved to actually get closer to the truth. Like, what are we talking about? What is real? What's accurate? What is factual? What is what, what are things that actually we will never see eye to eye on because they're unique to our experience? It's essentially your way of understanding the world and the information in it through this vessel of wrestling with ideas until we come out with something that makes sense, right? Or until we just learn something about another person or another way of thinking that we didn't have before if we had just stayed in our in our own minds. So the next piece is the mindset, right? So it's important for me to talk about all of these aspects of just defining what's going on in disagreement because we need to know, we, we need to break down what we think of it as, right? Because terms get overused and we just start to sort of attach our ideas, our preconceived notions to any given topic, right? So mindset is important because, you know, just to define it, it's just, you know, a way of thinking, an attitude or an opinion, especially a habitual one or a fixed mentality or disposition that predetermines a person's response to an interpretation of situations, right? So in disagreements, not only are we debating our thoughts on any given topic, but we're also bringing our mindset into the exchange, right? So we're talking about a difference in these external ideas that we're talking about, but we're also applying to it our lens on those ideas and our lens on life itself, basically. And so the way that we you know, what a mindset is and what you're bringing into it is the way that we value certain things, our outlook on life. If we're curious and open-minded, if that's our mindset versus being closed off and stubborn, if we're operating from an ego perspective of wanting to prove ourselves right, of wanting to hold on to ideas because they feel good, right? So that those are all things that contribute to the mindset sort of taking place in disagreements. So your mindset around disagreements themselves is also going to impact how that disagreement goes. So, you know, um, if you're going into it afraid of conflict, does hearing someone say a thing that you don't like, does that literally throw you into fight or flight? And if it does, that's going to affect the outcome of it, right? A conversation that could have been totally calm and collected is now kind of thrown off course because of our internal state. So it's like, are you having a hard time opening yourself up to being wrong? Does being wrong really make you uncomfortable? Is your way of thinking just very rigid to only what you have experienced? These are things that contribute to, these are mindsets and approaches to life 
and how you look at the world that are going to affect the outcome of it and and sort of like your approach to having conversations with people or about things that aren't in your in your own experience right so these are all things that start as a lens on a conversation and they materialize into the way that you speak the things that you say the questions that you ask and your receptivity or lack thereof during a conversation so that's why it's really important the mindset work is actually very crucial to disagreement and to conversation and communication in general, because your mindset is sort of like that building block that is going to naturally inform how you speak. That's why so much of this work is internal and is focused on cultivating a certain type of approach and almost like philosophy of life that makes it so you naturally get better at disagreement. Okay, so a few tangible takeaways here to start with, um, a few shifts for having productive disagreements. So One thing is looking at disagreements as opportunities for learning. This is huge. This is such a simple shift that can look like, you know, if you're going to go have dinner with a bunch of friends and you know that you and these friends have a different, different opinions on politics. Okay. Going into this by saying, you know, I could actually learn something from this person. I could take this as an opportunity to listen better. I can take this as an opportunity to find something out about my own view that I missed, right? Or maybe I'll get proven right. Maybe this will be fun because I can talk to someone about ideas and I can share with them something I'm passionate about. So opportunity, right? Opportunity is a positive thing. Opportunity means that we get to grow somehow, that we get to have fun here, that we get to just feel good about what we're participating in. An opportunity leads to growth and expansion. And those are all fantastic things that you want to be doing on a daily basis, just in life. You want to be growing, right? Another important shift that you can make is assuming that the other person might know more than you or that you could learn from them. This is huge because this just really shifts how you talk to the person, whether you are talking to them as an equal or almost like looking up to them. And if you assume that you can learn from this person, then you're probably going to be more inquisitive and more open and just more receptive to what they have to say instead of assuming that like you're the smartest person in the room. In general, I think it's a smart life tactic to just try to put yourself in rooms where you're not actually the smartest. Even if you are actually all equals, like Try to be in a room where you feel like other people's way of thinking, their work, all the things they do is like, quote unquote, better than yours to make you feel like you can expand. So it's the same thing of bringing that to a conversation, being like, I wonder what incredible insights this human has in store that they could share with me. Um, Another piece is just sort of like the golden rule of allowing people to speak freely if you want that favor returned. So much of the issues that we face with disagreement and just like as a culture and society is because we're kind of being entitled and we're kind of saying like everyone has to be open and receptive to my ideas, but then you don't do the same thing in a conversation, which is preposterous. If you want to be able to speak freely about your ideas, you need to return the favor. It's as simple as that. So it's like, if you want people to understand you, to be open, to maybe hopefully change their mind, then you have to do those same things. You have to be open. You have to let people speak freely. You have to return that kindness and that intention. So then it's uh, the, the next tip is essentially becoming conscious and intentional about words, phrases, tone of voice, and the energy that you bring into a conversation. So 
This is a huge shift because you can just think about paying attention to your body language, paying attention to your tone of voice, right? I know some people just naturally have a tone of voice that's like maybe more abrupt, right? And it's like not, it's not like you're being mean or or like trying to be brutal in any way, but everyone just has a different tone of voice, right? And it's not to say like you need to completely change who you are. Like that's not what I'm saying. But I think it's very helpful to bring awareness to how you are contributing to the conversation itself going. Apart from the ideas and what you're talking about, it's like, are you maintaining an energy of openness, right? Like there's nonverbal pieces of it that are really important. And one of those is things like your phrasing and your tone of voice and just being aware of what you are subconsciously nonverbally communicating to the person. And the last piece that I think is especially important when you're going into an exchange that is going to be about something that might be triggering for you or just that maybe like you do have a strong identity attached to this topic and that's okay that those there's like instances of that and it's creating safety in your body and not outsourcing that responsibility to anybody else this is really important because a lot of times we're taught this is something i really disagree with just in like our approach to culture and society and like how certain like certain solutions to to problems, right? Some people suggest essentially that like it's everybody else's responsibility to make you feel safe. We have this like thing of safe spaces and like what I've talked about recently on the podcast with Ava Johanna was like woke safety and just like how that's actually making it more unsafe because you're outsourcing that responsibility. So the point here is like remember that it's your responsibility and you can you can actually control a lot of how safe you feel, right? Via internal mechanisms like slowing down your breath, feeling your feet on the floor, increasing your nervous system's capacity to handle hardship, right? So it's like consciously putting yourself in difficult situations in, and I'm saying difficult situations like like the general hardship of life, right? Life has ups and downs. This is normal. Like we don't want to soften everything. So nothing's ever hard. Like that doesn't really help anyone. And I hope that we can understand like the nuance here and that I'm not going to like get to every single exception of what I mean by put yourself in difficult situations. Like don't put yourself somewhere where your life is threatened. Like that's not what I'm saying. And I think we can understand that there's a few steps in between a conversation happening and like you being in actual danger. So let's just be clear that like I'm talking here about when we're in dialogue, in discussion with another human being, whether it's in real life or online and you know, you need to be aware of when things are actually getting out of hand. That's a responsibility that you also have to take. So anyway, creating safety in your body and don't let anybody else have that responsibility because I also just don't think that that's very empowering, right? It's your responsibility to make yourself feel safe and to own when something is really just putting you into fight or flight because you're triggered emotionally versus something is actually threatening to you. So Having an awareness of you have a lot of capacity for creating safety in your body and it's going to help the conversation a lot. Okay, moving on. So next, setting the stage and steering the ship. This is all about personal responsibility and ownership, right? I kind of touched on this before with creating safety in your, in your body, but really this is about leading by example. So if you want the other person to be more open, how can you be more open? What concessions can you make? How often can you say, I was wrong about this? Or I might be wrong. Can you help me understand this better? Can you admit when you're wrong and that there might be holes in your thinking, right? Giving the olive branch, like letting there be moments where you're vocally saying to this person in this exchange, 
that you might not see everything because this is also true. And this is why like internally you have to understand your way of seeing the world. Like we can't know if we're completely right. Like it's very, very difficult to declare with 100% certainty that we're correct about something. It's just very hard to do. So just like admitting that helps you lead by example and show to the other person that it's okay to be wrong. It's okay to admit these things. And it sort of like lets the guard down and makes it okay, right? You're normalizing the behavior of being wrong, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with being wrong. Like it's seriously fine. And then just calling out as the leader, right? If you're working together, or you're taking the leadership leadership position in this um, exchange is calling out when the conversation is no longer productive or just ending it, right? Like we don't need to continue having conversations where things are getting aggressive. They're shouting, like there's yelling, like these are not productive conversations. We're talking about being adults, having civil conversations. You can end it if it is not productive anymore. And there's ways to do that. And I can dive into that more in in an episode. Um, Or if you end up working with me one-on-one, that's a side note that you can check in the show notes. But that's the kind of stuff that we work on is like, how do you actually end conversations when you need to? But basically, that just means calling out and saying, you know, I'm really liking this conversation, but I just feel like we're past the point of it being productive and like we're going in circles. Maybe it's okay for us to move on from this for now, right? That's fine. You can totally do that. Okay. Asking lots of questions. Ask more questions. This is one of the easiest ways to communicate curiosity, but we do need to be careful here that you aren't slipping into interrogation mode, right? So there's a difference between being curious. Curious is very like playful, childlike uh, curiosity of just trying to learn more versus like interrogating someone and being like excessive about kind of picking apart everything they're saying, right? So this can just sort of be communicated by clarifying that you're asking to help you understand. Like, I think sometimes we're, we're afraid of like over like saying too many things, but I think you can test out literally being like, that's so interesting. Like, what do you think about this? Or, okay, I think I understand what you mean. Can you explain this part to me? But like, just remember like the tone, the phrasing, like if you're being curious, what does that sound like? And it doesn't hurt to tell this person like, just out of curiosity, can you explain this part? Or I don't really know if I get that. Can you explain this again? Or how so? Tell me more. What about this part? Like very simple, ask questions, expand it. And this gives the other person the signal that you actually care about them and that you want to learn more. This is like a really, really good way to just disarm the conversation a bit and make it very interactive and not just about like you proving your point. So then tone and energy, this is where all that work before and after conversation is really important. So this is like, for me, where things get spiritual and are about like your internal development is cultivating that genuine love and curiosity so that when you're asking questions that they don't come across as condescending. So this is the internal work. This is like, how do you actually create more love and appreciation in your mind, body, soul, that is genuine, right? Spending time in meditation, spending time in nature. Like I know that these might sound like, how does that relate to being good at disagreement? I'm telling you, cultivate and find ways to actually work on creating more love and more capacity for understanding in your body. And you will be so good at disagreement because you're going to understand and see that the person across from you is a human being. Like it's that simple, right? So just do activities that are cultivating your inner growth, cultivating your spirit, your love. Like all these things are really important. That is what contributes to the tone and energy on a subconscious level. 
okay, I want to keep this not too long. So I'm going to breeze through because I really want to keep this like tangible so you can start practicing. And then you guys let me know if you have questions and I'll add more. Okay. Another amazing tactic, I love this one, is a team mentality. So instead of making it you versus them, right? This is where we're like attaching the ideas to the person and we're like, oh, I think this. And so if you disagree, then it's a problem for me. Instead, let's say, how do we work together to figure this out? So it's like, just bring them into your line of thinking. It could be as simple as that. So for example, it's like, I'm looking at this issue in this way. Do you see any gaps in that? So you're inviting the person to actually openly critique your line of thinking and your thoughts so that they feel like they've been invited and it's okay for them to do that. It's like saying, you know, my assumption is blank. Does that seem fair to you? Like I tend to look at this idea. I tend to look at this issue through this lens. I tend to X, Y, Z. Do you feel like there's any holes in that? Like, what do you think about that? Right? So we're making it a team effort where we're saying the ideas are here on the table in front of us. How do we work together to decipher them to understand them better? And that leads me into another incredibly important point that I think is so, so, so profound to apply this to yourself, to your world, to conversation is separate ideas from people. It can be done. And I think most, most cases of subjects we're talking about, right? This is also like all of this is really applying to truly like dialogue, right? Like there, there are some not exceptions, but like more nuanced situations where, you know, we're talking about like in a relationship, like who's doing what, if you like, you know, got into a fight, et cetera, like these are sort of a different subset of disagreements. This is much more like, let's just say intellectual disagreement disagreements about society and culture, et cetera, which a lot of them have to do with like the identity that you've tied to yourself. But the general concept is this is the way that you can talk about taboos and ideas without getting too emotional or latched onto them. So it's like just almost visualize like walking. Alan Watts says this thing that I, I love where he goes like, come into the room and just leave all of your ideas, all your identities, all your concepts at the door, like just leave them there. And if you want them back, you can go back and get them. But for now, just leave them there. Right. That's what I try to imagine as. And from there, that's where you can say, my sense of self does not need to be tied to this opinion that I have of the world of myself of anything. And from there, we can say, let's dissect this and figure it out. Because if that gets proven wrong, you haven't like lost who you are. Like that's why it's really important to try to separate them where, where it makes sense. Or even just like push a little bit too on where you think it makes sense or where it wouldn't even work in theory to separate ideas. But just try that out, right? So this speaks to the also the concept that we can talk about ideas without endorsing them. This is really important because I think this is where people get really kind of like nervous and scared that like talking about something extreme means that they're like inviting it into their life or that they agree with it. But that's just, it's just not how it works. Like we have to understand that you can use words and dialogue and communication to talk about something without it then like seeping into who you are, because it's just not how it works. Like I can sit at a dinner table and talk about something, you know, very like polarizing, like gun violence or COVID or whatever. And not automatically agree to the thing or like take it on, right? Like we have to understand and give credit to humans' abilities to talk about things without it becoming who they are. So it's just understanding like, how can you go there, 
more often? Like, how can you actually talk about the thing that most people wouldn't talk about? Because you're not endorsing it by talking about it. You're just not. And like, I think that's where just culturally we get sort of freaked out by talking about taboos and things because we think that just by someone saying it out loud, it's like going to exist in the world. Even if that were true, we need to be able to talk about things, right? And I think we have to allow ourselves the vessel for disagreement to then at least process the bad ideas and say them out loud so that we understand if they're good or not and like parse through them that way. So this is then also speaking to just redefining what is an actual threat versus just fleshing out ideas, right? Like this is again where you use your personal discretion and your filter to sort of figure out if if we're having an intellectual debate or am I like about to take action on something, right? So we just have to sort of slow down, I guess, the space between talking about ideas and then assuming that those are going to turn into like a real life threat. Again, nuance, complexity depends on the situation because sometimes we're having conversations about like really intense life things, but we have to be able to slow down, I think, a little bit and just understand like you feeling triggered about something is not always a real threat. Like someone saying words on the internet that you don't agree with that make you uncomfortable is not equal to violence and a threat to you. It's just not. Like we're talking about a difference of opinion. I'm not saying like someone pers- like literally threatening you, like different story, right? But these need to be clear and we can't throw them into the same bucket because that's how we disregard nuance and we can't actually talk about anything if we're being only looking at the extremes. There's so much gray and in the gray is where we advance and move forward and we actually understand life. Life is not black and white. It's just not. So to wrap this up, um, that's essentially the gist of these three pieces, right? So the mindset of what we're going into, the mechanics of what we're using. So like language, tone, asking questions, uh, proving people wrong, proving ourselves right, proving other people right. All these things are what we're actually doing in disagreement on trying to understand the world better. We're also taking ownership and trying to really just lead and steer the ship of the conversation. How can you act as the captain, as the leader? and sort of set the tone for how you want it to go down. And that last piece is separating the ideas from people. Like how can you practice talking about something without it being attached to you, right? Saying like this idea, not your idea. And that's something you can practice on your own. You can do it by listening to a podcast from a person that you probably disagree with a lot, but you want to see what they have to say. Just see what happens when you can just sort of exist in that in-between space and listening to something that you don't like, but just say like, these are just ideas. They're people talking about them, but they might not necessarily be tied to the person. Even even if they identify with it, you can treat it separately. Because if that helps you be more open-minded and more gracious and more receptive to someone's concepts and their, their ideas and their outlook on the world, I think that's very helpful and very powerful. So that's it, short and sweet. Definitely hit me up and send any questions you have to me. Check check the show notes for um, links, anything relevant. I am opening up a few spots for one-on-one coaching all about expression, conscious expression, disagreement, how to have better conversations, all the things. This is for people who really want to just increase and up-level how they're relating to reality. That's what this is about, right? It's like 
how are you contributing and participating in and leading your experience via the interactions you're having, via how you express yourself, the vibration you bring into a room, verbal and nonverbal. This is where we get to work on it. So I'll talk more about that later. Um, but thank you guys so much for tuning in. Please, please, please share this with a friend if you enjoyed it. Don't forget to rate on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. Share this on Instagram and tag me while you listen. And I'll see you guys next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.